Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Thursday morning. So how often are you now getting spam calls on your phone? What kind of numbers are they coming from? Over the last three years or so, I've just had a huge increase in the number of spam calls I get. I'm sure you have too. First, they came through on 087 numbers. Then they started coming through on, for some reason for me, 031 numbers. Now they're coming even from cell phone numbers. Almost every single phone call, in fact, pretty much every single phone call I get from a landline number is a spam call. So often it's also the most ridiculous thing. Often a pre-recorded message. I don't know why anyone thinks I'm going to listen to a pre-recorded message. And I don't know about you. But so often they seem to be about insurance or financial services or anything to do with my car. The question, of course, is how does this business actually operate and how on earth do they get your number? Why are they so often able to greet you by name? Why do so many people call me Mr. Grutus? Where do they get the name from? And how can you stop them? In some cases, their services like True Caller, sometimes they work. They stop some of the spam calls coming through. In some cases, the people who do this are able to change their numbers literally all the time. So how is this happening and what can you do about it? This is your conversation this morning. Firstly, some of the technicalities. What's happening behind the scenes? Jan Vermeulen is the editor at mybroadband.co.za. Then the information regulator, their job to deal with this and to make sure that your information isn't sold. Advocate Colin Veerpond is a member of the information regulator. And then is the Poppy Act, the Protection of Personal Protect, pers- of Private Information Act, failing us. Advocate Zaniwa Intertisi is the CEO of Digital Legal, I should say. Uh, Advocate Zaniwa Intertisi Asare. We start then with Jan Vermeulen from My Broadband. Jan, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. The amazing thing about this industry is that it seems to have grown. From what I can see, there are more and more unsolicited calls going to more and more people. Is it possible to know why this is happening? Yeah, it's an interesting question because, uh, you know, Papia and the Consumer Protection Act was supposed to protect us from this. But it seems as though the, the industry is, is thriving better than ever. And I think the, the, the main reason is it, it works. Uh, so, um, you know, after the scare around Papia, and, and the Consumer Protection Act about like how it would be unlawful and, and you might face, I think it's criminal fines even, um, if you abuse people's personal information in this way. These companies realize, oh, hang on a second, uh, there's a loophole um, and or that this is bluster. There, there's there, there's going to be no consequences for doing this. Um, but I mean, uh, I think it's, it's, it's the fact that there's a loophole because I've received calls from like uh, not just debt rescue companies, but I've received calls from Sanlam and Discovery. Um, and, and I'm not even a Discovery customer. Uh, and, and part of the loophole is as long as you're a customer of that company, they can call you. But there's another loophole that allows companies to call you um, uh, uh, by phone. Um, they, they, can't, they can't send you other unsolicited messages, but they can call you even if you're not a customer with them. And so when they realize there's this loophole, they, uh, they jumped on it because the fact is, unfortunately, direct marketing works. Well, it's amazing because I'm not sure, you know, how it works because I just put the phone down. But I suppose if you're phoning 10,000 people a day and three of them buy your product, well, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I don't know um, how, they, how their economies of scale work and, and how many uh, people they have to convert 
for, for the operation to be profitable. But uh, you can also imagine that, um, you know, the, the cost of, of operating these call centers might be going down. So uh, perhaps the, 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 the people who offer these, these call centers are able to offer a, a more compelling price for the product, which, um, I mean, in the back of your head, you do the calculation. That means mm. the people doing this work are being paid less. Um, but also, there are, there are I know of um, direct marketing scams doing the round of scams, where, um, where they, they take desperate job seekers and they, and they do a bait and switch. They offer them a permanent position, or they say there's a permanent position to be had um, you know, as some kind of supervisor. And then you go for the interview and it turns out, oh no, it's direct marketing and your wage is entirely dependent on how many sales you make. Um, and so that, there's a lot of that happening as well, and, and I don't quite know what the uh, what the impact of that is in terms of making these services more affordable for companies to use. So they go, yeah, you know, I can throw a couple of thousand at this, and if, if I get you know a couple of two thousand back, it's a win. How do they get the numbers of people? Do we have any idea? I mean, I get the sense that my number is for sale on an open market somewhere. Yeah, and unfortunately it is. Uh, so it's not supposed to be happening. They're supposed to be tied to controls. But the fact is anybody with the money can, can buy people's personal information from the credit bureaus um, perfectly legally. TransUnion, Experian, all these guys, they need to uh, take some steps to ensure that you are not a security hole. Um, but, but certainly our, our numbers and our personal information is for sale. And um, a, a, a startling amount of personal information is for sale this way. So, um, uh, you know, but despite the fact that certainly for the more shady robocalling operators, um, uh, the, the protection of uh, pr- personal information uh, laws, uh, you know, they, they're not going to uh, care about those much. They'll, they'll just plead ignorance or they'll, they'll say something vague like, oh, we, you know, we, we got your, your uh, details from, a, from a, a, you know, a certified provider. Because that's now the other thing that, I, that I'm hearing a lot of is that they essentially say, oh, yeah, we, we, we got your, your details from a, uh, a provider who provides legal services in this regard. So in other words, they, um, the, the company doing the, the, the cold calling or the um, financial service provider itself, you know, whether it's a Discovery or a Sunlam or anyone else, um, can plead ignorance if that company has in fact obtained your personal information through illegal means. They just say, no, but this company was legitimate. We didn't steal your information. They did. Um, services like Truecaller to stop them, do they work? Truecaller does, does work. It is, it is a very good service. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just as good as the data that its users feed it. It's, it's very much a user-driven and user-generated content type service. But um, uh, lawyers, South African lawyers, um, uh, specifically Burgess Smith, has, has warned that um, Truecaller itself farms personal information. So w- what happens is you upload your contacts list to Truecaller and they use that information to uh, build a database. And then sh- when somebody calls you from, that num- from a number that, that's not in your phone book, it uses essentially other people's phone books to tell you who's calling you. And, and there's a potential um, popular issue there as well. So, um, uh, but, you know, I know people are desperate to block these things, and, and Truecaller is a, is a very good solution for that. But do be aware about how Truecaller works and the fact that they are farming your phone book for their profit. Um, and uh, Berger Schmidt has warned that uh, Truecaller, they kind of force the responsibility on the user. 
They say you, you know, will by you know accepting this agreement, you say that you have permission to upload your these phone numbers to our database. Um, and so they're gonna they're gonna if it ever comes down to a court case, they're gonna hide behind that and say no, you need to go after the individual users um, who uploaded this contact information because um, we asked them if they had permission to do so. Jan Vermeulen, thank you. Editor at mybroadband.co.za. I do appreciate the time. 18 minutes to nine. Your mediated conversation continues around spam calls. Mokalani Dimba is the executive responsible for education and communication at the Information Regulator. Mokalani, good morning and thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. Good morning, Stephen. Is it true? Are people allowed to sell your personal information? I wasn't aware of that. Ab- absolutely not, Stephen. Uh, they're not allowed, but we do know it's happening. It, it's become a huge problem. They, there is a massive market in selling of personal information, and, and the regulator is quite concerned about uh, this trend. The problem is you've got to you've got to catch two people who probably know they're breaking the law, so you've got to catch them both doing it, and they're not going to rat on the other, are they? No, no, they won't. But uh, as a regulator, we've taken a decision to conduct a systemic um, investigation of, uh, of of this practice. We have a very good idea of how it's happening. Um, we, we we know the parties that are involved uh, in the sector. So it's only a matter of time before um, some serious action is taken. If someone is found to have done this, what are you able to do? Well, it's clear violation of the provisions of POPIA, and POPIA enables us to levy certain fines in uh, very serious instances we are able to bring charges against the, the parties that are involved in this practice. Um, people can, uh, in terms of the provisions in POPIA, can be subject to fines as uh, as high as 10 million rands should uh, there be evidence established that uh, uh, they've been party to, to this practice. Okay, so when someone phones, when someone phones you and says, I want to advertise this, and they keep doing it, what are you able to do? What action can an individual take? You, as an individual, uh, Papia refers to all of us as data subject. You, you are a data subject and you have specific rights in the law. One of those rights is to withdraw your consent, even if you had given your consent previously, to being called at any moment, you can withdraw that consent. You can um, instruct whoever is calling to remove your contact details from their database and, and not to, to call you again. Uh, should that continue, then that becomes something that needs to be brought to the attention of the information regulator. And we have the cap- capability to conduct the necessary investigations to 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 arrest continued uh, contact of people, especially those that have withdrawn their consent, to to uh, get the responsible person to, to stop uh, doing that. So I can demand that someone stop calling me, that a particular company or service or whatever stop calling me. I can demand that. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you do so, I think what, what is even more important that is that you get their details. They must uh, identify the company they are representing so that it helps us as the information regulator to conduct the necessary investigations. What I find so interesting is, is you know, whenever I get these calls, several things happen. I ask, where did you get my number from? They say they got it from their mm. manager. They're obviously lying. Their manager got it from somewhere. But what I've realized is that the person, yeah. the person who I'm talking to doesn't know that that's the one thing. And they don't know probably for a mm. very good reason because mm. their managers don't want them to know. 
Then um, the moment that I sort of say, I want to talk to your boss or whatever, the line drops magically because they know that here comes trouble. So then what are my options then? Because even if I reported the number to you, I don't think that would help very much. What what would really help us, Stephen, is for you to get the name of the company because that's all we need. In our in our case, we would not uh, go after the person that has called you because that could well be just a call center agent who was given a list of numbers to call, a list of names to call. They they're really at the end of the of the entire uh, value chain here, if I were to use that phrase. But all we need is to know the name of the company because the the person that we will hold accountable is is the information officer of the company and the information officer is is the the head of the company whether if it's a private body or a company the the most senior official is the one who will have to come in account to us if it's a, a public body then it's somebody such as a, a director general so we, we don't need to know the name of the individual that called you all we need to know is the name of the company so that we can then uh, take the necessary action okay so company xyz keeps calling me i demand that they stop they keep calling me i report yeah. to you you investigate mm. Um, and then if, yep. in the worst case, I mean, they could possibly demand that I have proof that they kept calling me. I mean, it can start to get quite complicated from there. No, no, no. Remember, Stephen, that we have full investigative powers. Um, all you will need to, to indicate to us is uh, the name of the company, the time and the date they called you. Then our investigate, uh, investigators will then approach the, the responsible party uh, through the head of the of the company, and we have the power to order the release of various types of documents in in the process of us conducting our investigation. So you, as a data subject, you do not have to prove that uh, you were called and, and what happened during the course of the call. All you need to provide us is, as I said, the name of the of the of the company and the the date they called you. Then we, on our side, will take it from there. If these people call, um, sometimes I suspect that they are actually recording the conversation. Are they allowed to do that? I presume they aren't. They need to tell you when if they are recording the conversation. Most professional um, call center operations will will indicate uh, to you as soon as you you, you answer the, the call, they will indicate that the call is being recorded. And and, and that's also very important for us because that uh, helps us build the, the body of evidence that we need to, to make the case. Uh, but certainly uh, you should not be recorded without being informed that you're being recorded. That is a violation. And the Direct Marketing Association seems to represent many of the organizations involved in all of this. Do you discuss all of this with them? I mean, do they have any power at all to stop their members behaving badly? The trouble, Stephen, is that uh, DEMASA, um, the short name for the the association, it's a voluntary association. Um, It's not a regulatory authority. So... uh, the unscrupulous companies may choose not to be part of that uh, of that association, but indeed we we've had interactions with uh, with Demasa previously. Uh, currently, what we are working on 
is a guidance note on uh, direct marketing in, in South Africa. Uh, that guidance note is intended to provide uh, a guidance to the industry in terms of how they can continue operations while uh, compliant, remaining compliant with the provisions of, uh, of the law. Um, we are going to be conducting a series of uh, consultations uh, with, with the sector. And they have also uh, put in an application to our that uh, we are hoping that the, this ho the code of conduct will um, uh, encourage uh, better practices within the sector. But if it doesn't help, then as a we are beginning to be able to take uh, the necessary action to arrest uh, this this, uh, this practice. Mokalani Dimbert, thank you. Executive responsible for education and communication at the Information Regulator. Really appreciate the time. In a moment, Zaniwa Intatisi Asare, the CEO at Digitally Legal on Spam Calls. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around spam calls. Advocate Zaniwe Intatisi Asare is the CEO of Digitally Legal. Zaniwe, good morning and thanks for your time. Morning, thank you for having me. It's fascinating. We have the information regulator saying it's illegal to sell someone's personal information. And yet I think it's become so common that everyone presumes that this is happening. And I think it must be happening uh, to the point where people even presume that it is legal. What does this tell us? It seems to tell us the system may not be working properly. Um, I think you said it. The system is not working properly, not even may not. Um, I really do believe a lot of us were looking forward to you know, this, this uh, bite that the information regulator was meant to bring into the country when it came, when, when it came to time for South Africa to have an information regulator's office. But I think as the first speaker said, um, with the, this loophole, I don't know about other loopholes, um, but the, the biggest loophole is people know they, do, they can do things and nothing will, 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 will follow. There'll be nothing that is escalated. And even when people do escalate, um, we don't have examples of, you know, someone getting that slap on the hand. I mean, I'm not aware of any case of anyone actually being taken to court for this or being punished in any way. It may have happened. But I'm not aware of a changing of, of being a deterrent to stop their behavior, which means the whole system isn't working. And I think that's exactly it. People learn by example. For instance, um, I think a lot of the times the excuses that we have when we speak around this academically is, um, for instance, Trucola will say the, the database or the company itself is not based in South Africa. Therefore, it's very difficult for the information regulator to do something about it. But there have been so many examples and cases of telcos. You know, and, and I'll mention the names, but the big, the big ones. We have the the South Seas, and I, I've, I've been a victim myself, where um, you know, escalated this to South Sea, promised me that they won't um, contact me again, and they still do. And I think sometimes it does come to um, consumer awareness, as, uh, as the the colleague from the information regulator said. What do you do when someone calls you? You do have a responsibility as well. So. According to Poppy, they can be that one phone call, you know, to, to, to see if you're uh, available. And obviously, at that point in time, wherever they got the information, then you can request and say, where did you get this information from? If they give you the answers that you told us they give you, then obviously, there was no consent that was provided. You don't know who these people are. But in that moment, that's your opportunity to actually say, please do not call me again. Um, if you don't know where you got my information, stop. After that, I think then you've got like plausible calls to actually escalate this information regulator, escalate it to these companies. 
And I think that's what we do. We hang up. We, we don't know that um, we actually have to opt out um, at that point in time. So I think it's that education, is that awareness that is lacking, but also that bite. People need to be scared. If you find out that, say, your bank or cell phone or someone sold your information or someone was selling your information, what kind of action can you take? And I don't know how you would prove it. So, as I said, I've been a victim. <laughs> um, so, in this instance, uh, I can tell you what I did. I, when, this, uh, uh, when, when these calls started coming in, I, scre- I took a screenshot of each call and my call log just to show proof. And... Um, Oh dear. Unfortunately, the line has dropped to Advocates on Iwe into TC Asare uh, from Digitally Legal there. Been one of those mornings when it comes to connections. Unfortunately, uh, talking about spam calls, maybe a phone rang from, you know, a spam call of some kind. Has happened in the past, uh, having these kinds of conversations. But it does seem that we've had, uh, once again, been hit, I'm afraid, uh, by the problems of connections this morning. So, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, we will try and continue uh, the conversation and just hear a bit play a bit more from her. We've been having some voice notes coming through, as I understand it, actually on the subject this morning. We're able to play them for you now. Honest event for me to deal with the spam calls, you know, I had to activate a setting on my phone that blocks all the numbers that are not on my contact list. And ever since I did that, I see them coming through, but they get blocked. They don't irritate me anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that, and you can do that on your phone. The problem is is that sometimes someone you don't know will want to contact you. Or can you imagine, for example, your child, their phone runs down, they're standing next to their friend, they use their friend's phone to call you, and you can't get through, you know? They can't get through. Um, I've been in situations where I've, you know, stopped someone on the side of the street and said, I'm sorry, I've just been robbed, can I please use your phone? Other people have done other things. So I don't know. I mean, I hear you. The pluses and minuses. Other voice notes on this. Yeah. Hi, Stephen. Uh, spam calls. Please press one. Please press one. Oh, you don't know how much I hate that. I get those all the time. Not only those, aside from spam calls, also those guys on Facebook. Hello, dear. You, they send you a friend request. They're always very well-dressed laptops nice cars on the beach wherever and then they say oh, do you want to invest you gotta have money to invest and then they keep at it and keep at it oh i hate that shakes in Soweto. shakes thank you yeah i mean i think you're not the only one i hate that sort of thing too it's just so frustrating um, when you look at that. Well, that'll bring an end, to, I'm afraid, to your mediated conversation today. Unfortunately, unable to get back to Zanu and Tatisia Sare. So, yeah, difficult morning connection-wise. My thanks also to uh, Mukalani Dimba from the Information Regulator, the Head of Communication and Education there, and Jan Vermeulen, the editor at My Broadband, starting us off today uh, on this conversation of spam calls. And I know plenty of people are finding it just incredibly frustrating to deal with spam calls at the moment. It's going to be a busy afternoon. I suspect we've got interest rates. That's going to be one of the big issues. There are other issues to come as well, but I think people are going to be talking about that. We will see you uh, tomorrow, if the lemon and honey still works, from Mdu, Stanza, Banyana, and Paul, myself, look after yourself. You're this FM leading the conversation. It's 9 o'clock.